0: You're listening to The Cinematography Podcast. And now from Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, here's Ilya Friedman. Cinematographers use a variety of tools to make images. One of the most common tools is called a matte box. For those unfamiliar with the term, these are generally shoebox sized in shape, constructed of materials like metal, plastic, rubber, and carbon fiber. They are found at the end of a lens at the far front of a camera, and map boxes have two primary purposes. The first is to stop unwanted light from flaring the lens, which is sometimes an undesirable effect. And the second purpose of a modern matte box is to hold filters. These filters are chosen because of their intrinsic properties to modify light and entering the camera. It's the second matte box function I want to get into a little deeper. When you drop a filter into a matte box, drop being the technical term for adding a filter, you place it in between the camera and your subject. You are of course not changing reality for the benefit of the camera, as you might with lighting, production design, or makeup. You have only changed how the camera sees or perceives reality, which for a particular shot may be all you need. You could drop in a filter to affect color, contrast, sharpness, saturation, reflections, clarity, or any number of other qualities. One of the most popular types of filters used by cinematographers are called Diffusion filters. Diffusion filters are designed to distort reality. They come in various levels of effectiveness. The lightest diffusion filters produces almost no visible differences from shooting clean or with no filters. They are most often used for a particular quality to remove skin imperfections, primarily fine lines and wrinkles, which, depending on the filter, will disappear from an actor or actress's face like magic. Some of the strongest diffusion filters are actually made from stretching silk stockings over a lens. When you start adding strong diffusion filters or layering multiple filters or multiple types of filters on top of one another, the effect is more pronounced. If you are old enough to remember the Liz Taylor White Diamonds commercials of the 1990s, then you've seen some of the strongest diffusion filters in action. When you start stacking strong filters, you can take 20 years off of Grandma or Grandpa. Photographers, cinematographers, and camera assistants are no stranger to the term filter factor, as it is the term that describes how much filter is actually in use at a given time. You figure out your filter factor by simple addition. So, for example, if you're using two popular diffusion filters with strengths of one-half and one-quarter, you are said to have a filter factor of three-quarters. So, several years ago, a very famous movie producer asked me a question. Now, I'm paraphrasing here purposely for the sake of brevity. Who do you think the most famous cinematographer is in the world? Uh, I'd say Roger Deakins. Wrong, he shouted. It's that guy standing right over there. The famous movie producer pointed to a rapidly approaching middle-aged former news shooter with no feature film experience to speak of. Now, this producer has produced some of the biggest movies in the history of cinema, Oscar-nominated movies that I'm willing to bet you've seen in a theater. You've paid money to see this guy's movies. So, I'm assuming he has a very good reason for saying this. Was it that he got his terminology incorrect? Did he think that cinematographer equals anyone who can point a camera? Or does he mean that the cinematographer who shot Skyfall, The Shawshank Redemption, and *Kundun* Doon was somehow lesser than this dude best known for posting positive reviews of poorly designed camera equipment on YouTube? Um, how do you figure? I replied, trying my best to sound inquisitive. That guy has almost 100,000 people following him on Twitter, and the way people share, that means there's probably four to six times that number of people reading and watching what he posts. I stood in silence, dumbstruck. Now, perhaps I shouldn't be. In the past 15 years, the internet has turned many a non-celebrity into kind of a big deal, also known as internet famous. IRL is of course internet speak for in real life. It's become something that my wife loves to throw out in casual conversation as a way to distinguish between reality and what I have dubbed the ID filter or internet distortion filter. Like a filter you would drop into a matte box, the ID filter describes the effect of the internet or social media versus actual reality. And by reality, I do mean IRL. In some rare cases, the filter factor of an ID filter could be zero, but, and I believe we're all guilty of this more often than we'd care to admit, we have mistaken someone or something that exists online as being the same as in real life. Quick example, two famous actors are on Twitter. One has a staggering 24 million Twitter followers. The other is no slouch with just under six million Twitter followers. Both of these actors are headlining feature film stars. Both have starred in several movies. So if I follow the same logic as the famous producer, an actor with 24 million Twitter followers should have four times the popularity of an actor with only 6 million Twitter followers. I know it's shocking, but it turns out Twitter followers is not a good metric for determining box office draw, despite having a lowly 6 million Twitter followers. Tom Cruise did far, far better at the box office over the past few years than Twitter powerhouse Kevin Hart. Mr. Hart is by no means doing poorly, and if it's a competition, Kevin Hart is not only kicking the butt of Tom Cruise, but also Leonardo DiCaprio and James Franco. Mr. Hart has more followers than Tom, Leo, and James put together. What the famous producer got wrong was the ID filter. Of course, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube does not equal box office returns, but what internet fame does show is that someone is capable of building, or buying, an audience in one particular corner of the massive world of social media. It does not necessarily show technical competence, skilled learning, proper judgment, or even cleverness. And perhaps none of those things is what we need from an entertainer, but I think it is what we need from an educator. So it's easy to forget the reality of what you're seeing, with a heavy ID filter in place. What we haven't talked about so far is what happens when you go overboard with too much diffusion. When the filter factor goes up way too high, not only are the fine lines and wrinkles gone, but so is a lot of the detail you may have wanted to keep in your shot. You may have reduced your contrast so much, and your colors may have become too desaturated. When a cinematographer realizes their filter factor is too high, they pull a filter out of the map box. Pull, of course, being the technical term for removing a filter. Over the next 12 months on Backlight, we're charting a course to navigate through the waters of what's real and what's perception. You'll hear from a number of different people, but when you hear from me, know that my goal is to pull all the filters out of the map box. For Backlight, I'm Ilya Friedman. Next week, we'll cheat.